Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 145. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And on this week's show, I get a little bit personal. You know me, I am not always comfortable doing some of the personal stuff, but this week, I really wanted to have this guest, and I couldn't do this show properly without getting a bit personal. My guest this week is Erica Hoffman, and she is a speech pathologist, and she works with kids aged zero to three and helps them with whatever speech or eating issues that they may have. It's part of a program called early intervention. And it's one that we went through because when Grace was young, she wasn't talking all that much. But from the time she was one until right about the time we got her evaluated, she was, I think, just after two. She wasn't talking all that much. She didn't have that many words. And that was sort of concerning. You know, because we're like, she developing correctly? You know, what what's going on? Are there other things at play here? And so we went and got her evaluated and we got set up with Erica and Erica came to our house and started working with Grace and she's been great. She's been off to the races ever since. And now, I mean, getting her to shut up is the trick. So, and I say that obviously lovingly, but seriously, the girl just talks constantly all the time. She's very social, very outgoing. It's delightful. And a big reason for her success is the work that Erica does. And she comes to our house about once a week. Her and Grace will sit there and play and they'll do whatever it is they're doing. Sometimes you you don't always know how Erica does what she does. But she gets into it a little bit on this week's episode. And it's fascinating because, A, people think that's what I do when I tell them that I have a master's degree in speech. They're like, are you like a pathologist? Do you help people with lisps? Do you help them speak correctly? I'm like, well, I do help them speak correctly, but it's more about ordering their points and coming up with the correct argument. But no, like in terms of the physicality of speaking, I don't do any of that. But it's something I'm interested in. B, because, and I can't remember if I started with one or A, let's pretend it was A. B, it's because I'm listening to people talk all the time. As I say in this episode, I listen to each one that I do about three times. I am all in on the particulars and the vagaries and the peculiarities of the way people speak. And so we talk not only about development of children in this episode, but we get into some of the the geekier technical stuff. You know, what sounds are in the front of your mouth? What sounds are in the back? What's a diphthong? What is it called when someone talks like this? That is, and you know, I'm obviously being playful and a little bit glib with that. But when I hear that, I go, what is that? Like, what does that sound? Does that have a name? It does, and you'll have to listen to this week's episode to find out. Erica has incredible expertise and just a tremendous demeanor. She is an absolute ray of sunshine. It's a pleasure to get her to see her once a week. Grace loves her. Sloan has grown to love her. You know, she's one, so the lights are really going on a lot more. But I cannot recommend highly enough getting involved if you're concerned at all about your children's speech or if they have trouble eating or feeding themselves or whatever it is, Erica is terrific. And she wasn't always in this field, so she gives us some background into 
what she was doing before, and what her day-to-day schedule actually looks like. A lot going on in this episode. Very, very proud of it. Just a quick plug here. You can download this episode and pretty much all the others, at least the most recent 100 on Apple Podcasts. Just search John of All Trades and you'll find the most recent 100 on Apple Podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. You won't miss any future episodes. Also on Stitcher, that has, I think, the most recent 10. So that's a great online radio service. And John of All Trades is proud to be there. As long as you're there, give us a rating, hit that five-star button, and uh, give us a good review. Take a few minutes and say, hey, this is what I enjoy about the John of All Trades podcast. These are the episodes I like. These are the types of guests I enjoy. And feel free to drop me a line, too. I'm always looking for new guests and new material. So hit me up on the web. The website is johnofalltrades.us. That's J-O-N of alltrades.us. We're also on the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, all at the same handle, J-O-A-T-Pod. Feel free to get in touch with me at any of those platforms. Now, this week's episode is with Erica Hoffman. She is a speech pathologist. Our family has worked with her personally. She's tremendous. This is a great episode, and it begins right now. So I put salt on top, and it's an espresso salt. Oh, nice. Okay. So I jack my kids up before they go to bed. <laughs> That's an interesting choice. <laughs> Why? I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't think it truly has espresso. It's espresso flavor. Right. Uh, I imagine. It's like when you cook with alcohol, you know? And, right. And it, it burns you can't away. Just, yep, it burns away. Yeah. Yeah. There was some fancy salt my father gave me, so oh, that's I good. use it. At what point do kids start eating steak? Uh, my daughter didn't eat any, and she's five, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'll let you know? <laughs> no, I think, yeah, it depends. I mean, if you cut it small enough, they can do it. Okay. The, the gums are harder it? than the teeth. The gums are harder than the teeth. I've never heard that. Uh, yeah, I mean, they can really do a lot with their gums. Okay. But, uh, you know, you, obviously you don't want to serve them the well-done piece. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say they're harder than, but they can do a lot with their gums. You'd be surprised. <laughs> okay. So when did your kids start eating steak? Like, early on? <clears throat> Because we, the problem is we don't eat a lot of red meat around here. Sure. as We don't either, actually. And so, I got some steaks from my father from Snake River Farms. Is that a plug? Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, no, that sounds great. <laughs> is that in Wyoming? Um, or is that uh, Snake River? Is that like Montana? It's probably Wyoming. I'm not totally sure. We'll have to look that one up. Yeah. He's, my dad, he's a regular and he sends them to us for Christmas. Wow. That yeah. sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and so at the end of the day, you're coming home, you have two kids. I do. One's five. The other is seven, seven after working with kids all day. Right. I mean, that's, that's a lot of kids all day. It is. Um, but your clients are typically age in what range? Like what's your specialty? So I work in early intervention. So I work zero to three. Okay. I've occasionally kept kids past three, but that's not my usual because I work in a part of the funding of the government that's zero to three. Okay. So it's a distinction made by the government that you almost have to specialize in. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So this is Erica Hoffman and she's a speech therapist sitting in my basement. And also it bears mention, and I haven't really talked about this publicly. Some of my friends know, but we are a client of yours. Yes. And that's how we got connected. It is. So what's funny is... I think what's illustrative for some people is when we tell people we did early intervention, they're like, did you have, like, did your doctor have to recommend it? And our doctor did, but the truth is that's not how it works, right? Correct. Okay. So take me through a little bit how it does work. So, and when, when I say early intervention, 
Grace took a long time to come around talking. And it, it took her a while. She didn't have many words, and we were a little bit concerned about it. So our doctor said, go to the state, get her tested. And we went through the process. But So how does it typically unfold? Right. So, yeah, a lot of families will think they have to get a referral from their pediatrician. And it can be a self-referral. It can be a parent referral. And so how it works in the, you know, the, so this is part C of the funding, if you were to look into it. And how that works is you can self-refer. So you, depending on what county you live in, mm-hmm. you call and there's certain... Um, it's called the CCB, um, around all around Denver. So there's different ones and you call and you say, I want to get my child evaluated to make sure it can be a speech delay. It could be a motor delay. It could be like eating problems, right? Yep. Feeding. I do feeding. Um, it can be a lot of different developmental milestones that aren't being met. And so you can call and get them evaluated. So then you go through the process of getting evaluated and you qualify or you don't. And a lot of times, you know, the purpose of early intervention is to like, try to eliminate some of these issues for later in life. And so the perp- the hope is that they can go through early intervention and not need any sort of special education once school starts. Okay. Which is really cool. Is this unique to Colorado or is this like in every state? Every state. Okay. For the most part. I mean, I don't know all of the states and how they all operate. However, right. I do know plenty of people and I've referred friends that live all around the country to say, make sure you look into like what your options are, you know, I know New York state where I'm from has great early intervention services. Okay. What's really nice is the folks, everyone we've worked with has just been delightful. Like, I don't know if this department attracts this type of person, but at every step of the way, we haven't met uh, someone that has been disagreeable even in the least. Uh, And even the evaluation was kind of fun. Like you're sitting there with your child and you're just playing, but you know, someone's sitting there writing stuff down and you go, I I wonder how this is being scored. I really have no sense for that as you sort of an amateur. Absolutely. And I always say like having been in this field for a while now, I always say if, if you're not personable and you can't kind of have that exchange back and forth with families, I don't know how you do this job. I don't know how you walk into someone's <laughs> that would be life. Tough. If, and if you're awkward, I mean, you have the ability to say, this isn't going to work. I don't want you in my home. And yeah. that's allowed. That's your right. And, you know, they go through all those sort of rights for you when you start this program. And yeah, if someone didn't have that kind of, as you said, delightful and personable and able to, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure how successful they are. It's perhaps time to find a new line of work. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Maybe time to go do research. Yeah. But what's funny is during the evaluation process, they'll, there, you know, there are things that we were worried about and things that we thought we needed, but she ended up getting scored on a number of different things. And so she was just past two. Mm-hmm. I think, right? Yeah. I mean, depending on what you're looking into, if you're looking at a typical like language delay, then usually it's that 18 month appointment where people start getting some right. kind of flags to be like, huh, wait, they're not talking. They're not doing this. So it's around that 18 months, okay. two years where they start looking at that. And then, yeah, right. they're going to look at all of her like important stages of development. Right. And so in one of the categories, she scored like 40 months or something. They're, way above. Yeah. They're like, she's way advanced in this side. And yeah. I kind of walked away. I'm like, well, that makes me feel good. Absolutely. <laughs> <So>. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but what's really funny is, so this happens, like we don't have to drive Grace anywhere. You just come to our house, mm-hmm. which uh, was fascinating to me. And especially given the thrust of this podcast, I, I'm always fascinated by how people spend their days. So if you would indulge me, 
what does a typical, and I know days aren't typical for you. Sure. But, you know, about when do you get started? How many folks do you see? What different types of things are you working on throughout the day? Yeah, absolutely. So my schedule's changed drastically as my kids have gotten older. So when they were little um, and they were in, you know, daycare hours, you know, so I could drop them off as early as, you know, seven, eight, whatever, and work all the way till five, six if I wanted to. So that was like a full day. Now that they're in school and they go to Denver Public Schools, my day is usually I drop them off at eight. So my first client's usually around eight thirty. Okay. And I pick them up at three. So I'm usually finishing around two thirty. Okay. I it, could of course oops, sorry. I could of course do after school care and work until those later hours, but I choose to because I can, because of how awesome the flexibility is, I choose to have those hours so I can be with my little kids after school. That's great. It is. I mean that that's a that's a career that is fantastic. And What's funny is, like, we don't cut a check to you, right? No. I mean, you get paid by the state. Your taxes cut that check. Okay. My, <laughs> well, my tax dollars at work. I'll tell you this, money well spent. Yes. Which is nice. You know, you're, you can be a little bit worried about where's my money going? What's it doing? Sure. For this, I'm like, this is fantastic. I don't know exactly how this gets filtered through the government, but right. the fact that it does makes me feel really good about it. And I'll tread lightly on that topic because I don't feel very educated, but I know that as kids get into school age, you know, when I say I don't feel very educated, I mean, when they get into school age, I just don't know. I think it's more money to put a kid through special ed uh, sure. as far as like what you're paying towards school districts and paying towards those kids. So the hope is that we do it now so that they don't need it later. And it does end up saving the state money. Right. It's like an ounce of prevention versus a pound of cure. Yes. Right. Exactly. I mean, I get that 100 percent. Yeah. So about 830 is when you get started. Mm-hmm. Um, you get yeah. done. Wrap up around three. How many different families are you seeing typically in a day? So I would say in that 830 to 230 zone, I'm shooting for about five kids. Okay. Yeah. Because I have drive time in between and I try to schedule so that I'm not driving all over the place and spending too much time driving, you know, across town. So I have days where I'm in Denver. I have days where I might be in Aurora. I have days where I might be you know, in South Denver, things like that. So you're not crisscrossing all over Hell's Half Acre. Try not to, but it (laughs) certainly ends up happening. Do you have any say, like, where you can get potential clients? Like, how do they get filtered to you? Yeah, I get referrals. I get emails. Okay. So the CCBs I talked about send me referrals, and I can pick and choose. So if they send me a referral that's out at C470 in Smoky Hill, (laughs) unless I got a couple kids out there, I'm typically not taking it. But I have plenty of you know, coworkers and people that are on my teams. I'm a part of a team that work in that area because they may live in that area. So sure. it makes more sense. But for me, I try not to spend, you know, 45 minutes in between each client because it's just not productive. Well, no. I, I, having, I remember I worked, for, I spent a very brief time working for this energy drink mm-hmm. and I went and shadowed one of their salesmen. And he said, you got to cut down on windshield time. And I go, well, your job is your job. Like I have a different job, but uh, I get what you're saying because you can't really be productive as you're driving. And especially if you're interacting with kids and families. Yeah. So yeah, my drive time is nice because I can make phone calls and I have my Bluetooth so I can catch up on things and stuff, but it's not billable time. Oh, right. So are you, okay, that's interesting too, because I come out of the PR agency world and so I know billable time. Right. I mean, I, that I'm a consultant too. Yep. And billable time is really, really important. I didn't yep. know that that's exactly how it works. I, I figured it was, 
more like procession, but or is it? How it does is. It, okay. it is procession. Yep, it is procession. So, but like, you can fit in fewer sessions a day if you have a lot of windshield time. Exactly. Okay. So if I'm driving across, if I'm driving from Metro Denver out to Smoky Hill, right, and then back to Metro Denver, it's just not. It doesn't make any sense. So if anything, you know, I try to pick up kids in that area. So if I decide to pick up a kid out there or. I have been to Buckley Air Force Base to see kids and it's like, well, then it's worth picking up a couple because it's pretty far east. Yeah. You got to cluster them in that way. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's impressive and something that I took note of when you showed up is you always have a huge bag of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this big Mary Poppins bag. I do call it that. (laughs) You do? You call it that? Yeah, I do sometimes because things just keep coming out. Yeah. It's endless, (laughs) right? You just keep digging in it. Right. And you have one of those like boxes on top of your car. I like, do. Like a cargo box. I do. And <laughs> I, t- I take note of that too because I sold those. That was one of my jobs when uh-huh. I was like in college. And so I think yours is a Thule, right? It is a Thule. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thule box is much better than Yakima. Uh, just... <laughs> you allowed to say that? Uh, sure. It's my show. <laughs> it's the internet, Erica. There's no FCC here. So, um, and if anyone from Thule is listening, right. uh, flip me some cash for yeah, that endorsement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. But, uh, and if anyone from Yakima is listening, I'm sorry. sorry. That's tough, uh, right. tough break. But how do you, and I, I'm assuming this comes with experience, but I know there are sort of specific metrics that you're trying to meet with different kids. How do you determine how to match up the activity with these seemingly sort of like fun and like play based activities with the specific sort of skill that you're trying to get them to accomplish? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, first off, I'm going to say I don't think all of us therapists drive around with a Thule box on top. <laughs> okay. I just happen to, I mean, trust me, there's times where we have to empty that and my husband will take all my therapy tools and he's like, ay, 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 just because we have to put our skis in there. Um, but it, when I'm driving around town, it's just useful to have that when I drive a small Subaru. So 100%. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, you know, it's a pretty amazing what you can do with a toy for a kid, whether right. it's an 18 month old or a... 32 month old. I mean, you can really adapt it and get creative with it to how they will respond to it. So I feel like sometimes I can pick something, an activity, you know, I kind of lesson plan for the week when I think about my kids and what I'm going to do. And I could probably take a similar activity and adapt it to all those kids and make it work for whatever age and make it motivating. And there's plenty of times I strike out. And it's not motivating. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> and that's okay. And that makes me think on my feet, which is one of the parts of the job. Well, yeah. And that's got to be one of the fun parts of the job, Absolutely. too. You got to you gotta stay nimble. Yes. You got to stay light on your feet. Definitely. That brings me to something that is interesting to me because you mentioned you're doing five or six kids a day. Mm-hmm. Do you do it all five days a week? I don't. Okay. No. I um, Ever since the, I had children, I don't think... I. I'm like four days, probably a solid four, okay. maybe. I use Friday as kind of a carryover day if I missed any or kids oh, sure. were sick, which okay. as you can imagine happens a lot <laughs> and maybe like carry over to Friday. But I try to use Friday as a day to kind of get caught up in my Kid, life. Kids getting sick, madam, surely you jest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never heard of that as my child is upstairs screaming with a fever as we record yes, this. Yes. So, uh, no, I'm familiar with the phenomenon. Yes. But yes. So that means you've got anywhere between, at, at any given time, somewhere between 20 and 25 kids. Right. Yep. Good math. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
and I have plenty of friends that work full time five days a week from, you know, eight to five. And so they're, they're like 40 or 50 kids. Sure. Possibly. And then I have friends that also have employees. I am an independent contractor. So I am myself, but I have friends and coworkers that then have employees. Wow. So they handle all those employees, all their billing. And so they (laughs) take a cut of their, so they become like an agency. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, which is the possibility for me down the road, but right now. Yeah. No. Wow. But the nice thing about that agency is you're you're billing essentially one client. Right. Which is great because, yeah. you know, there are some months I'm billing like five or six clients and that's just an administrative pain in the ass. Yeah. So yeah. is it tough or, you know, I, I see you break out the iPad at the end of the session and you're making notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it tough to keep those kids straight in your head or do you have them all pretty well compartmentalized and like yes. where they are and what they need to do? Definitely. Once I lay eyes on the family, I say it takes for me personally, I mean, maybe others, it takes a different amount of time, but for me, it definitely takes like a, a good two sessions, maybe three to really have it straight, have the sibling straight, have the parents straight. Right. It's funny you ask that. Cause like in a zone where I am right now, where my kids just started back to school and I'm changing my schedule to work a little bit more and I'm taking on some new families. When I take on a bunch of new families, it feels <laughs> crazy. Cause I'm just like, wait, which kid was that? Which need did he, what, you know, it's just, yeah. it can be really overwhelming. And then once I settle in and have a schedule, then we're good. Yeah. <laughs> It's got to be both exciting and sort of daunting taking on a new family. Sure. Because... You never know what you're going to get. I mean, you played sports growing up, right? I did. Uh, anytime you played a new team, you're kind of sizing them up. Oh, yeah. And and you're looking at them, you're like, okay, I got, I got to feel this out a little bit. Where are we going to go? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, you're playing a little bit of tennis, a little bit of baseball. I I don't know what your sport of choice is. Right. Well, soccer. Well, okay. Soccer perfect. was my sport. So uh, Unfortunately, I don't have a good vocabulary to make <laughs> good metaphors for that. That's funny. But... Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, you're sizing up sort of, and and it's wrong to look at it like an opponent. But who are you on the field to play with? Yeah, and and how is this relationship going to unfold? I imagine there are some families that are a little bit more jokey, some that are a little bit more buttoned up. And how long does it take you to feel that out? Oh gosh, I mean, it's you know, <clears throat> you bring that up. It's such a good point because okay, you you compare it to like looking at a an opponent team, and that's one thing, but like. Here I'm stepping into this family's world and probably their most vulnerable and most important time of their life. Interesting. I mean, they're yeah. raising a small human. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I'm going to come in and they're afraid of judgment. They're afraid of, I mean, they're afraid of a lot of things. What am sure. I going to think is going on? What I'm going to watch? Because, you know, I work off what's called an individualized family service plan, an IFSP. So I'm, I'm in there to work with the family and what's going on with the family. So mm. it can be really intimidating because I'm coming yeah. in to analyze and help. Does the gravity of that ever overwhelm you? Like, do you ever like stop and step back and go, wow, it's weird that time after time after time, I'm in a moment where a family is at its most vulnerable point. Absolutely. Yeah. That's got to be both incredibly exhilarating and sort of overwhelming. Absolutely. I have days where I come home so psyched because of what we unraveled and what I helped a family do. And I've had days I've come home in tears. Wow. Is that part of what keeps you coming back to this? I mean, how long have you been at this now? So I graduated with my master's in, so the degree is communication disorders and speech language pathology. I graduated in 06. 
Okay. And I started in a hospital. I Wait, you, you a got hospital. your master's in 06? Mm-hmm. So did Kristen and I. Oh. That's too funny. Awesome. And it's funny. Uh, say the name of the master's degree again. So it's communication disorders, uh, speech language pathology. Okay. We got our degree in uh, the Department of Speech Communication, which a lot of people would go. They They think that we did what you do. Totally. And so we wanted to rename the department Department of Not Speech Pathology. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Because it's like, no, that's not what we do. We don't help people with, you know, lisps or like whatever, whatever the the glib sort of. Sure, that's what everyone thinks. Like, oh, the person that says their S's or their R's wrong. Right. (laughs) Yeah, like uh, if you ever watch The Big Bang Theory, you know, they're like Bowie Quipkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no. Right. Like, that's not what it is. Yeah. And that's very much not what we do. Right. But I've always been fascinated by this because I love listening to the way people talk. And doing this podcast, I listen to different styles of speech and delivery all the time. In my headphones, I listen to each show about three times, and so I have a real like good sense for how people actually talk. Interesting. So, you sent me a, a YouTube clip like the first time I met you on somebody <laughs> doing was it different accents? It was uh, it was a speech expert yeah. analyzing movie accents. Right. Some were good, some were really really bad. Yeah. Um, and some were like not even accents, but. Like the way Philip Seymour Hoffman did Truman Capote, yes, he like nailed it. It was cold. It was right. perfect because right. Truman Capote had a very strange way of talking. Oh yeah, and so to get that mimicked properly is a real sort of it's an exquisite sort of skill. Absolutely. And my <clears throat> guess is they must be pulling in. And again, I'm not knowledgeable on this piece, but my guess is they're pulling in speech paths to help with that sometimes maybe not but i think that like the way we know language and how to analyze it i don't know my thought is that there's people that specialize in that to help them figure out those accents (laughs) are you able to turn it off like no really (laughs) oh gosh no are you (laughs) are you listening to people all the time and sort of analyzing in your head yes that's too funny (laughs) really (laughs) i mean i try to turn it off but yeah it's yeah, it's hard when you order at the ice cream place and the person has, you're like, whoa, how did you make it to 25 talking like that? <laughs> you're like, no one, no one ever helped you through this. Uh, but what was so fast, I can't believe I sent that to you after the first time we met. That, I mean, that very much sounds like me, but Jesus, how obnoxious. <laughs> um, What's interesting to me is when you will give me some insight into your expertise when you're working with Grace and you'll talk about sounds that are in the back and sounds that are in the front and the, what is it? It's like the wordless or the, the, it's like an H, uh, like a one you don't have to form that just comes out through breath. What oh, is that one right, called? right, right. So I, like when you're not using your articulators and I talk about like an H sound. Yeah. Is that what, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as what you call it, it's just, yeah, it's really effortless because you don't have to like use a lot of your articulation in your mouth to figure it out. It's just breath. Okay. Yeah. What are, and so if, if you'll indulge me in this question a okay. little bit, what are some of the sounds that are in the front of your mouth? Okay, so the very front ones that are real visible to the little kids that we talk about are the P and the B and the M because we make them with our lips. So they're called bilabial sounds because they use both your lips. Bilabial sounds. Yes. Okay, so like P, (laughs) B, M. Oh, that's interesting. If you make it with your mouth, like you can feel it. And there you're naming the the letter. You're saying P, but you're not making the sound. Like P, B, 
Ma. Yeah, I get and it. So okay. then there you're adding a vowel. So you're not even saying the P alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's so there amazing. you're saying P A B A M A. But if you try to say just P B and M alone, it's tricky. Okay, how do you do that? Okay. Mm. Okay. And it's funny. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, the way you said that reminded me just of Sloan. Yeah. Because yeah. she's trying to figure it out. She's not adding any vowels at the end of that. Yeah. It, the sounds are just coming. And then, but also with infants, they babble. So they do the ba 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 So they do the B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A on, on repeat. <laughs> okay. Because they're just figuring it out. Right. You know? And you used an analogy with, with me one time that was really instructive. And I actually use this in a media training today. Wow. And it was the sledding hill. Oh, yeah. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Um, where kids are trying to get the sounds going. Yep. And when you start sledding on a hill, sometimes it takes a while to like make it all the way down the hill. Yeah, and to really imprint that um like the pathway. The pathway, exactly. Like the sledding hill. If you take a brand new sled on a big powder day, it yeah. doesn't always go so fast right away. Yeah. You gotta so you gotta lay that pattern. You gotta pack yep. the snow down a little bit. You gotta smooth it out and yep. eventually you'll be flying. Yeah. And the way I use that was I'm like, look, you got to practice this messaging. Yeah. Because if you're going to go on TV, you got to be comfortable with whatever question they ask, pivoting back to this message. And the only way you'll do that is if you are comfortable saying this message over and over and over again. Absolutely. And so what I tell people to do, especially when I'm doing like message training or media training, is ride in Uber as much as you can. Because Uber drivers will ask you, you know, what do you do? Right. And that's an opportunity to practice your messaging. And yeah, it's a way to, a good call. it's a way to do it politely too, because they want five stars and you want yeah. five stars. <laughs> yeah. So you have this very sort of like civil conversation because you're both rating each other. Right. Absolutely. Which is really strange. Absolutely. Okay. We've got P, B, and M in the very front. Front. So as we're working our way back in the mouth, what comes next? So then you'd have T and D. So they're right behind the teeth. Okay. So when you make a T and a D sound, so... You're like pressing your tongue into the teeth, right? Yeah, like right on that ridge behind your teeth. Oh, yeah. Okay. And those two sounds are the exact same sound. The only difference is one uses your vocal cords and one doesn't. Which one uses the vocal cords? D. D. So it has D. some vibration D. to it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. the T is kind of almost like a whisper. Yeah, it's more breathy. Yeah. Okay. But so the- that's the same with P and B. P is voiceless and B is voiced. <laughs> okay, cool. So one turns the vocal cords on and one doesn't. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Uh, then what else do we have? I mean, there's obviously lots in between the S and the of F. Of course. And the, but like the major, like the, they're called a stop sound because the airflow stops. So P, B, you can't hold that sound forever because the airflow stops. Right? <laughs> right. You can't hold a P sound. You can't hold a B sound. You can hold an S sound for a long time. That's, That's true. That's a different type of sound. It's a different manner. Yeah. So then after T and D, you go into the back there with the K and G, which is what we okay. worked on with Grace. Yeah. So K and G are the same sound. It's just that one uses your voice and one doesn't. So okay. can you figure out which one uses okay, your so. voice? Good. It's the G. <laughs> yes. Good okay. work. <laughs> All right. I get a cookie. <laughs> you get a sticker on your chart. As uh, as as Grace told me, uh, we've been going through potty training. I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. This is a weird one. But uh, <laughs> we were out together and we go into the bathroom. I, I had to go to the bathroom. And at the end, she looks at me and she goes... You get a lolly. And I go, thanks. That's, that's nice. <laughs> and I go, I go, why, why does daddy get a lolly? She goes, you went in the potty. Oh my God. I go, that's, that's sweet, Grace. Thank you. That's... In the men's bathroom. Yep. 
The little girl in the men's bathroom. Well, and I had Sloan with me too because I was oh, single parenting, so we're times. we're all in the handicap stall. Oh, that's a good one. And so I'm, Sloan crawls around on the floor. Thankfully, she was walking oh. by this point, so her hands weren't really on the floor. But good, you know. In men's room, you got your one-year-old putting her hands on the floor of a men's room. You go, mm. all right. Yeah. Parenting, it's just uh, it's nothing but pride all yes. day, <laughs> all the time, right? Yep. yep. Absolutely. So that's hilarious. But okay, <laughs> with Grace in particular, the K and the G sound were tough. Why is that tough? Because they are not visual, so kids have a really hard time seeing. Oh, because it's more so in the throat. Far back, it's like back there with your soft palate. Yeah, okay. You know, a lot of times, so infants will sometimes get that KNG because they're on their back a lot and so their tongue falls back and they kind of, like when they're doing their babbling, they right. can find that KNG. Then all of a sudden they're up and they're moving around and they have a hard time paying attention and they're all over the place. So their Ks and Gs become Ts and Ds. They, f- they front them. So that's what I talked about with Grace is like a lot of her Ks and Gs were towards the front and she... She didn't put, pull him into a P and a B. That would be a little bit unusual. Right. But a okay. T and a D, just pulling him a little bit to the front because she wasn't quite sure how to find him. Oh, right. That's why for a while <laughs> she was calling kitties titties. <laughs> <laughs> and which you know what she means. Like you get the context of what she's saying. <laughs> yes. But you're going – this <clears throat> parenting also turns you into just – the biggest juvenile yes, it does. Uh, on earth because kids will say the funniest and weirdest things. I've been things. quoting your daughter about when she goes to the airport. <laughs> the way she calls it the whore port? Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go to the whore port. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I'm listening to her and I go, this cannot be real. This is too, this is like a Key and Peel sketch. The best part is she says airplane, fine, <laughs> but airport is whoreport. So I'm like, I don't, I can't even like analyze what that phonological process is. I'm not sure, that's but awesome. it's funny. You're so welcome. Let's just keep it. <laughs> you know what? A thing of beauty is a joy forever, right? <laughs> yes. And so, and it's so funny. I was having this conversation with my mom recently about how you're kind of sad when some of the poor enunciation and some of the, the baby talk goes away. Absolutely. And I mean, you are sort of the villain in that story. Of then, course. Right? Yeah. But I feel like I'm, I think that I'm real good at when I go in with these families and there's certain things that I can analyze a kid's language and like figure out if he should fix it or not, he or she should fix it or not. And it's right. like little things like that. She's going to fix it. I mean, it's like, <laughs> right. who cares? You know, She'll get but there over time. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And as they get older and their intelligibility, meaning like how well people understand, okay, maybe we'll start. But it's like, again, she gets airport or excuse me, she gets airplane, but not airport. And it's like, there's no reason why she shouldn't because they start the exact same way. Right. She's just using some sort of thing about assimilating the rest of the word that makes her just throw in that <laughs> WH. <laughs> And it's, and it's so like, funny. It's like, whatever. She's going to, I know that if I wanted to, I could fix it right. by modeling for her and having her try it, but it's just too funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, two of the things that have gone away that my mom commented on when she used to say seven, she called it memon, yeah. which was adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of saying W, she would say bubble you. Bubble you. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man. That. And those yeah. those are pretty much gone now. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens. There's sounds that are developmentally appropriate. And as they get older, you know, a lot of families will be like, oh, I'm worried he doesn't have this sound or that sound. And it does, you know, there's just certain sounds that come later. And so right. at this age in the game, zero to three, 
I don't really like speech therapy. I'm doing language therapy. I'm trying okay. to teach kids how to communicate. I'm Ta- not that concerned about how they're going to articulate because that comes. It's important, obviously, so people understand you, but it, it comes with practice of talking. Is it sad when a kid ages out for you? Some of them. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right. That's uh, and we won't name any names there. But you're right. I kind of kind of an unfair question because it depends on the folks. Yeah. But I imagine with some of the folks that you work with, you've got to form a bond with them. Absolutely, and I would say I think I've been really lucky. I hear crazy stories of some of my friends and coworkers of these families. And I think that's something that's another really cool, you know, I've got this flexibility in my job to be able to, you know, I'm an independent contractor. I can work when I want. And certainly if I don't work, I don't make money. And that's, you know, I don't have like paid time off, but it's just sort of interesting that I feel like I've really lucked out with some really great families. And I guess I feel like, I don't know what makes that happen, but yeah. I really haven't had I really haven't had many families where I dreaded going or any of that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. What was it about this that made you want to pursue it when you were in college? I know it's interesting. I don't know. I was a linguistics major okay. in college and um and that happened just because I took that 101 and it just sort of clicked with my brain and it just decided spoke to you? Yeah, it just spoke to me. I sort of, you know, I, Probably at that age, I was good at it and didn't have to work too hard. So I was like, great, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. And then they had tracks you had to take. And so I did a sign language track. And where was this? University of Rochester in upstate okay. New York. Got it. Yeah. And so I, um, yeah, I took a sign language track. There was a speech pathology track and I didn't really know about it much then. So I took the sign language, graduated, took a year off and then just sort of explored it and started. So I took a year off and worked for Xerox and then, <laughs> and then I went to grad school. It's always interesting, uh, the diversions that we all have. Yeah. It was a family business. So, well, sure. Yeah. Make a little money before I went to grad school. It's so, it's funny to me, like taking the 101, because I think that is more common than most people would have you believe. Sure. Uh, I know that I was a business major and I hate, and anyone who's listened to this show for any length of time has heard me tell this story at least a few times, but, I hated my business classes so much, but I took my speech class and I had so much fun writing these speeches and standing up in front of people and talking, which is so counterintuitive to most people. Like, I love that. Right. Um, I'm more comfortable up there than I am in many like social small talk situations. Right. Right. Somewhere I got those wires crossed. I don't know where that was, but I'm like, what? Okay. What are the two letters in front of this? What is this? Can I major in this? And I looked in like the course book and I go, I can major in this. Look at these classes. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Why, why haven't I been majoring in this from the get go? Right. And I had a major and I felt great about it. Yeah. But in my graduating class of linguistics, there was six of us. Nice. Well done. Do you keep in touch with any of them? I can't say that I do. All right. I can't say I could name one. Isn't that sad? <laughs> well, you know what? It's kind of punk rock. You know, leave, let yeah. the past be the past. Yeah. But, okay, so you were on this track, you graduated, spent that year at Xerox, then you're off and running. Why zero to three? So I didn't start zero to three. I um, So my grad program, I really took a liking to the medical field. So I, uh, I took a lot of medical courses, and then I ended up doing my internship at Craig Hospital here in Denver in Englewood. Nice, yeah, another hospital. I ended up... Uh, getting a job there and it's a pretty fantastic job to get out of grad school i was pretty psyched and 
so they specialize in brain and spinal cord injury. So I worked with adults. Oh wow! In traumatic brain injury. Was it like? uh, Were you part of like the occupational therapy? Uh, nope. So we were our own department, speech. Okay. So there was speech. You can see why I'd ask that though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Cause like getting back to work, you mean? Yeah. No, but I mean like people like having to relearn to write. Sure. So- and that's what most, yeah. Most people think about that. That's what occupational is. Absolutely. No, I get that. No, for the speech portion, it was like, I mean, depending on where the brain damage is, whether they're relearning to talk, relearning, that's where I did a lot of feeding and swallowing. Um, you know, there's are all sorts of different deficits that can happen depending sure. on where the damage is in the brain. Yeah, so I worked at Craig for a good three or so years. And then once like kids and such were entering the picture, it was just a tough schedule. You know, yeah, hospital sure. schedule. I got Christmas Day off. <laughs> I got New Year's Day off. You know, it was just tough and I'm married to a teacher. So that's Oh geez. Yeah, he got all of it off. And so I was <laughs> like, this is not gonna work. So but okay, that still begs the question. Why zero to three now? Oh, good. Yeah. Like, Sorry. What, so what, what draws you to that, especially after working with adults? Yeah. Yeah. So um, a friend of mine, good co- uh, friend of mine from grad school, a real good friend of mine kind of was my really, she's been in this field the whole time, zero to, th- zero to three. And she's really helped me out and just talking about it and the bonds you make with families and the the changes you can make in a kid by helping give strategies, but also just their regular development is mm. pretty amazing. Hmm. And at Craig Hospital, these families, it was amazing, the bonds I would make, but you were dealing with some pretty heavy trauma. I mean, you asked me earlier on about like bringing it home and how I would feel. That was hard. There was a lot of really sad stuff. Yeah. Some really great success stories come out of that hospital, no doubt. It's fantastic. But there was really sad stuff, and sometimes they wouldn't always progress. So I feel like with little kids, you know, assuming that they're – on the right path to development, you're just kind of help boosting that. And so you see some pretty happy families that get to benefit from that. That's really cool. Okay. Let's talk about job hazards in terms of this job. Okay. And one of the things that you told me was as you plot out your sort of day and you're looking at where you're going to go, you, you have to know where you can, where you're able to pee. Right? You have to know the safe places to pee. That's hilarious. Have we talked about this when I've come to your house? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was because, like, how did you know to ask that question? Because I think you, you told me that we have a safe place yes. to pee, which yes. is good. Yes. Um, and I, I mean, I, thir- <laughs> I certainly think that speaks to anytime you're going into someone's home, you never know exactly what you're going to get yep. in terms of cleanliness, in terms Absolutely. of any number of factors. How much of a concern is that for you? Or you know, what have you encountered that has sort of been off-putting? Yeah. I mean, there's some pretty sad stuff out there, you know, I mean, to be careful, but you can deal with all sorts of bed bugs and different stuff going on. Have you seen all that? Sure. Wow. And we're mandatory reporters. Oh, really? Okay. You you have to deal with neglect and abuse and making those calls is hard. And if a house is, if a house is, bad enough i mean that's a difficult call to make you know yeah but i also do you have to notify them that you're going to report yes okay typically wow i I guess i don't i should be careful with this i don't think you have to right i think it's good practice sure yeah yeah um i mean in in terms of just transparency and full disclosure yeah 
I, I generally operate the same way. It's like, look, this is something that, that I have to sure. uh, yeah. disclose. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's... And then you have the families, you show up and they're like frantically vacuuming and making sure it's perfect because they're afraid, you know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm walking in on your house when, you know, I showed up here tonight when you're getting kids to bed and it's chaos. Kids, yeah. is, you know, and it's just, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. So there's families that are like, I'm sorry, I think the rug's dirty. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is nothing. I don't care, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I see the whole gamut. Well, yeah. And you told me sometimes you're like, uh, you know what? How about we meet at a park this time? Or how about we meet at the library? Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. and it, because I mean, it's not just at home. Like, you know, we've been outside. You've met us at the park before. Definitely. Um, which I don't know. That's got to be good in terms of getting the kid in a different context too. Because you told me once when, uh, you're like, we're at the point now with Grace where she sort of knows why I'm here. Absolutely. <laughs> Yep. And, you know, you, you almost have to, it's almost like a wall that they hit. Yes. I remember when I was learning Spanish, one Plateau, of my, one of my, sure. one of my teachers told me, you're going to hit the wall where you're still trying to translate everything from English into Spanish and yep. you're not thinking in Spanish. Right. Eventually you're, the kid's going to go, okay, I, I know this person and they're going to ask me to do these things that I don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. And you're running into a two year old that's trying to like gain control. Yeah. And exert their will a little their, bit. Yeah. So it's like. Forget it. I'm out of here. Yeah. What kind of techniques do you use to get over that then? So that was one of them. Like you said, is just changing it up, you know, and this, this whole like early intervention and coming into the home, you know, one of the biggest phrases is like their natural environment, you know? Right. So their natural environment should be things that they do. So whether we're going to the library, we're going to the park, we're going to, so, you know, I think it's important to do those things to see how they operate in those settings and to try to help, you know, the point is to give family strategies and things that will work. You know, yes, you're obviously dealing with the child and trying to, but really, as I said before, a family service plan to try to help the family. So it's like, okay, you know, you might have a family that says the grocery store is a complete nightmare. Like I can't even (laughs) deal going to the grocery store with this kid. I don't know what to do. Then let's go to the grocery store. I want to see this in action and I want to see what I can do to try to help. Wow. And I've done restaurants, you know, really? a restaurant is a big spot for kids where they just like, they know they act out because they know you have way less control in a restaurant because you don't yeah. want to make a scene. It reminds me of Costanza in, uh, <laughs> in one oh, of dear. his, he's where he's like, uh, I have no hand in this relationship. You know, she's, she's got all the hand. I have no hand. Right. In the restaurant, the parents are like, I have no hand. Exactly. And the kids don't care. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah. Um, okay. Another occupational hazard. Because we talked about this because I blew out my back. And right. everyone who's listened to this knows that story. Yes. But um, you were sort of lamenting, like you you had some uh, some troubles with your neck, I think. Upper back. Yeah. Yeah. And, shoulder blade area. And you were telling me a lot of it has to do with you're on the floor all day, right? On the floor, hunched over. Yeah. Dealing, with, like playing with the kids. Yeah. So I'm constantly reminding myself to sit up straight and yeah, try to sit on a pillow. Yeah. What's so weird to me is, and I tell this story a lot too, but it's uh, the, the episode I did with the dentist where he said, I knew I had to retire because... I couldn't do it physically anymore. And I go, what physically on you went? And he goes, it was my thumb. And I said, your thumb. And he goes, it wasn't, it wasn't the one that works the tools. It was the one that holds the mirror. So it was my left thumb Wow. from pinching the mirror all day, every day I had worn away and deadened all the nerves. I had to have surgery. And I go on your thumb. Like that's, 
I would never in a million years know that that was the case. Right. And what's amazing to me is no matter what job you have, it is probably killing you physically in some way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. You yeah, are a desk job. I mean, people, you have people at your desk jobs coming in to make sure that you're like ergonomically correct. Right. right? I'm like, I need someone to come in <laughs> and do that to me because half the time I'll like, I'll like reflect on what I'm doing and I'm hunched over like I'm 85 years old. Yeah. Well, and you're, you're sitting like crisscross applesauce and you're, you're like, you're, you're leaning over and you're grabbing things. You're bending in weird ways. Yeah. And having gone through physical therapy now, I'm trying to be very intentional about the way that I move. Yeah. But with kids, it's so hard. It's so hard because they're so unpredictable. Yeah. Like kids move so weird. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's like trying to tackle Barry Sanders, like on the 95 lions. And you just, you can't do it yeah. because you never know where they're going to go. So, yeah. uh, I imagine that's going to break you down. Yeah. Like absolutely. at the end of the day, do you ache? I wouldn't say, uh, I wouldn't say I ache at the end of the day, but I do think this chronic thing in my upper back is just sort of, you know, my job is contributing to it for sure. It's a repeated stress injury. Yes. Wow. Okay. couple of uh, weird questions. Some things I've always wondered about. What is it called? And you may not know the name of this. I expect that you will. Uh-oh. But when uh, when someone talks and they have this thing like it, – it's, it's almost like way back in their, in their mouth where they sort of talk like this. It's and a it's, lateral lisp. It's a lateral lisp. So you know how when you like – I think if you're – if what you're talking about is what I think it is, when a kid says their S's and their tongue is out the front of their teeth, that's just like a frontal lisp. Okay. So like a tongue thrust. Oh, tongue thrust. Yeah, okay. So like a th- – yeah. But when it's like a Donald Duck, yeah. that means their tongue is coming out the sides of their teeth. That's oh, a lateral. So that's just a lateral lisp. Mm-hmm. Wow. A lot harder to fix. I'll bet. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that you hear and you go, what is happening? Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it's one of those strange things that because I'm interested in speech and because I'm listening to people talk in my headphones all day, every day. Sure. When I hear it, I'm like, what is happening? So I've always wondered, okay, that's a lateral lisp. So yeah, instead of their tongue coming out the front part of their teeth, it's coming out both sides and it creates that sort of like... Yeah, like that sound. Yeah, it's like, yep, yeah, you do it well. Thank you. It's <laughs> That's awful. Um, but uh, so, okay, always wondered about that. Um, you mentioned, and this is something that I feel like I should know, what is a diphthong? <laughs> <laughs> did I mention a diphthong? Once? Yeah, you did once. That's odd to mention that in early intervention. Well, sure, but so it's. But here's the thing, Erica. I interview people professionally, so I'm just naturally curious. Yeah. So I imagine I'm leading you in directions you wouldn't always go. Yeah, absolutely. You're testing my knowledge. So a diphthong is like two vowel sounds put together, like oi. Okay. So like boil, like okay. boy, like that's two sounds together. If you think about it, it's not like a standard o or an. A and like oi, obviously that's a Y, but why is that other vowel, you know? Right. So it's, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> exactly. So it's two vowels put together. So it's kind of that you have to figure out how you change your your tongue position and all that to achieve okay. one vowel, vowel and then the next. Okay. <laughs> what is the thing that when you hear it from adults that drives you the craziest? Oh, is there gosh. one? You know, it's funny. So I would say my least favorite thing in my job is articulation therapy. So like serious, and that's kind of school age, you know, you really don't do right. artic until you shouldn't anyways, until kind of school age, you know, first, second, third, 
you know, I think even now they're saying after first, you know, second, third, fourth grade kind of thing. And I guess it's when, you know, an adult has a pretty noticeable, obvious speech impediment. I mean, mm. it is so easy to fix with practice. <laughs> so I just wonder how you get to that age and you haven't fixed it. Okay. Yeah. Last question I want to ask you, and this is almost like a public service announcement for people. I'm assuming that there are people that you work with who want to treat you like a magic wand for sure. their kids. Right. Just get my kid to talk. Right. And it's like you show up and then as soon as you're there, it's over. Right. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I had the same conversation with my physical therapist. Yeah. People think that we will work miracles in the 45 minutes that we're together a week. Right. Where does the real work happen? At home and with their families and day to day, not in that 45 minutes. Right. That's the biggest thing. It's like... Is that your biggest frustration? <clears throat> yeah. And you can tell the families that work on it and the families that don't. Yeah. It's like an obvious thing. So it's like not doing your homework or wearing your retainer. You just kind of know. <laughs> yeah. Although when I had braces, I had rubber bands and uh, I didn't wear them. But what I used to do is two hours before my appointment, I used to put like 10 of them on each side <laughs> and I just, I'd wear them for like two hours. It was really uncomfortable and really hurt, but I'd go in and he's like, oh, you're doing a good job wearing your rubber bands. And I go, yep. Yep. I guess I've heard that too, I think, which is, goes back to what I said about kids and like they develop naturally, hopefully. But I mean, no, here's the thing. I want to, I want to say that. I know that's me cheating the system here, yes. but in terms of. And that's just – that's like one example that sure. is sort of outside of what we're talking about. We took what you told us to do to heart and we worked really hard on it with Grace all the time. Yeah. And she came along, I would say, pretty quickly. Yes, absolutely because she's your most precious <clears throat> thing. So you're going to do it. Right. Your teeth and your braces at your teenage years, you're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm 14 and a huge pain yeah. in the ass. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I got to figure out the workarounds right. instead of doing the actual work. And so that's what I mean. A lot of these kids, they're going to make it through school. They're going to make it to a job. They're going to make it, hopefully. But the point is to make their road smoother and make it easier on them and their family. Yeah. Get that sledding hill. Good to go. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. everyone's just coasting. Yeah. Make sure they're understanding that this is all about their behavior and how they get their needs met and just making sure it all works out. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Erica, you are a ray of sunshine in our lives as you are for many others. And so nice. this is the time in the show, uh, when I offer my guests plugs. So oh. if you'd like to plug something, how can people get in touch with you? How can they find you? Plug anything sure, you want. Sure. So um, the CCBs that are around the are around Denver, Rocky Mountain Human Services is the one in Denver Metro. So if you live in the Denver County, um, you can call Rocky Mountain Human Services. There's Denver Options that's down – or excuse me, um, Developmental Pathways down. They kind of do Aurora and Englewood. Um, but you can also call your local school district and they will help you figure out, you know, if you want to get your child in zero to three or even three to five, there's preschool services also just call your local school district. Nice. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, what's odd is I think we're actually seeing you tomorrow. Yes, so. you are tomorrow morning, bright and early. Yes. Should I sleep over? <laughs> sure. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get the cocktails I'll go sleep going. with grace. <laughs> That'll be weird. I, th <laughs> I think she's already asleep and be like, what? That We're would, getting started bright and early. Yeah. We're going to do a 6 a.m. session. Yeah, we should do that. That would be hilarious. <laughs> She'll lose her mind. But uh, all right. Well, we'll look forward to that. Uh, thanks for taking some time. And, uh, Thank you. It's, uh, it's a pleasure getting to work with you and continued success to you. Absolutely. Thanks, John. 
And that'll do it for episode 145 of the John of All Trades podcast. Thank you for joining us. And thanks to Erica Hoffman for taking some time after her kids are in bed and my kids are in bed to talk about the ins and outs of her profession. I see her about once a week. And we talk about this in sort of tangential ways. It was good to sit down with her, find out more, and dig into the nitty gritty of her professional life. So big thanks to Erica. If you'd like to get in touch with her, hit me up through the John of All Trades website, J-O-N of alltrades.us. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Deft is on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. And our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you need to do on the web, 4Degrees can help you do it better. Whether you're building a website, whether you're hosting websites, whether you're trying to get in front of people who need to hear and see your message, they will identify the platforms, they will help you craft the messages, and they will get it to the people who need to see it most at a cost. It's very reasonable, very affordable, and very attractive. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Got a brand new episode coming for you next week. That one is going to be extra special in some ways because it's one I didn't think I would do. And I, I don't want to give it away right now, but it's one that I am interested to bring to you just because uh, it's, again, very personal. But look for that next week. Episode previews go up on Monday on Facebook only, so check it out there. J-O-A-T-Pod is the place on Facebook. And until then, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.